0: throughout uh, hard times, throughout uh, uh, life-changing things that tried to get us down and to make us stop serving the Lord. So in Joshua chapter 1, there was a new generation. Everyone say new generation. A new generation now was raised up in the wilderness. It's 40 years after the 12 spies went through the land and they they figured out this was a, a place of giants. And so it discouraged the rest of the people And the bad news spread throughout all of the land of Egypt, all all the nation of Israel, and they said, we cannot do this. They had unbelief. You see, they, listen to this, I want to drop something on you, you ready? They were delivered out of Egypt, but they never had Egypt delivered out of them. Did you catch that? They, They were brought out of Egypt. But yet they still had Egypt in them. They still had the old lifestyle. They still had the old way of thinking. They still had the old way of doing things. And they never had a transformation encounter with God yet. You see, a lot of times we can get, we can get delivered out of the world, but not get the world delivered out of us. Shout amen, somebody. Come on. And so because of that, unbelief came, set in. They refused to enter into the promised land. So for 40 years, they were punished for 40 years. And that generation died, and a dude named Moses died. If you've ever heard of a guy named Moses, raise your hand real high. Okay, Moses was a good guy. He was, he was a, the, the deliverer of the nation of Israel, brought the people out of Egypt. But he was only able to bring them so far because of unbelief. And so another man rose up, and his name was Joshua. He was the assistant to Moses. And so God begins to speak to Joshua in the very first chapter of Joshua, and he says to him this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying this. And notice the first words, Moses, my servant is dead. God didn't really kind of ease Joshua into that. He kind of kind of hit him right in the face. He's like, okay, Moses, my servant is dead. Now it's time for you to arise and go over this Jordan. You've been wondering for 40 years. You've been wondering long enough. Now it's time for a new generation to go in and possess the promise. Now it's time for you, Joshua. And all throughout this first chapter, God says, Don't be discouraged. I'm going to be with you. Many times over and over again, he tells Joshua, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. He reminds him of the Emmanuel factor. I'm going to be with you. Don't worry about what's happening in your life. I'm going to order your steps in the same way I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. He kept encouraging Joshua. If there's anything that leaders need today is some encouragement. Somebody shout amen. We had the privilege of going, just before we went and ministered there in California, we went to a pastor's conference. So when we left there that, that day, on, when we left here and caught the flight, our first stop was to a Jesus Culture conference in Sacramento. That's why I got to San Francisco. I, my heart's in two cities, so I figure I can't lose, right? San Francisco, Patty, I'm sorry. Okay, so let's keep going. So Patty's looking at me. Um, we had the privilege to go to a Jesus Culture conference. And the leader of Jesus' culture, his name is Banning, what's his last name? Leapshire. <laughs> keep saying Leipcher. Banning leapshire And he, the first night he comes out with, and I'm ready, I got my notebook ready, and I'm ready for, I'm ready for this, he's going to drop some, some now, I need, I need to hear from God, right? You know what he comes out with? He says, I just want to be here tonight just to encourage you. I want to be here. I want to be your biggest cheerleader. I want to encourage you that you can. You got to keep going. You can't stop now. And if there's one thing that leaders need, that pastors need today, is encouragement. And they, they you know, I want to encourage you whenever you come you know to see a pastor or a guest pastor or or your teacher or a spiritual father or mother over you. I want to encourage you to always encourage them in the Lord. Always say, you know what? You're doing a great job. You see our worship team come to them. Say, you know what? You're doing a great job. Please don't give up. You come to the, the, the other ministers here in the church and you see them, do, do me a favor. Say, you know what? Don't give up. You're doing a great job. We need you. We need you to stay standing. Somebody shout amen. And so God told Joshua, listen, he began to encourage him, don't give up. I'm going to be with you. Keep going forward, right? And so now he, he's telling Joshua, listen, you're going to cross over. I've given you this major assignment and I want you to get the people ready. Now, does anybody know for extra credit approximately how many people was Joshua leading at the time? Take a guess. 600? 600,000? Any other numbers? Anybody else want to take a stab at it? What do you say? 6 million? Okay. Anybody else? Pastor Fred? Two million Feels like an auction here. I got any more? Five, Five billion? No. Five. <laughs> okay. There was approximately, Pastor Fred's about the closest in here. There was about two to three million people that, uh, that he was leading at the time. And so he, w- he had some big shoes to fill. And so he needed to make sure that he was doing the right thing in the right way. How many know you could do the right thing the wrong way? Oh. Just because you do a God thing, just because you're doing a good thing, doesn't mean it's a God thing. Somebody shout him I want to say that again, just because you're doing a good thing doesn't necessarily mean it's a God thing. That's why we got to follow the Lord. And so God was all up in Joshua's business at this moment because Joshua was about to take leadership over one of the greatest gatherings there at the moment. And he had to make sure he was following the Lord closely. He had to make sure that Joshua was prepared spiritually. He had, to, he had to make sure that Joshua was listening to his voice. He had to make sure that Joshua, that he was, that he was following God closely. And so now watch this. And, and so he, he tells this now to the people. And the people respond to him back after he has this conversation with God. And they say, in the same way that we followed Moses, we will follow you. We'll follow you, Joshua. Whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do. And so the next thing that Joshua does, he said, let's send over two spies. Maybe he had the idea we sent over 12 before. That didn't work too well. Let's send over a smaller party. And so he sends over two men to go spy out the land. And that's the moment that where they had this encounter with a lady named Rahab. She lived in the walls of the walls of Jericho. And and so she hid them from the people. There's a whole other message there, but I'm not going to go into that message right now. But they're... God hid them. They spied out the land. And now they come back to Joshua. And now Joshua is ready to take them over. Go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua gets word from the Lord. And let's go to Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to go verse by verse. Are you ready? Let's go verse by verse. Then Joshua rose early. Everyone say, rose early. Joshua rose early in the morning. And they set out from Achaia Grove, and they came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there for three days. Everyone say three days. That the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Rose early. Joshua didn't waste any time. He immediately followed the Lord. He immediately did what God called him to do. He had a conversation with God. When you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, when you hear the voice of God, you've got to continue and obey the voice of the Lord. No matter the cost, no matter what it looks like, no matter uh, the situation. Joshua had a divine encounter with God. He knew he heard the voice of God. Can I say, when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you heard the voice of God, you better radically obey it. You better radically obey it. There's nothing that should stop us from doing what God has called us to do. When you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you heard the voice of God. Faith takes movement. They set out of their place. They didn't waste any time, okay? Joshua immediately left that place, and he went and he lodged there at the Jordan. Now, you got to understand the Jordan River. When I first came to the Jordan River, and remember, that, that's why I was saying that was one of my most favorite moments there when I came to the Jordan River. And, I, and when I ran down to the Jordan River, I got a little disappointed. i got to be honest. Because the Jordan River was no wider than the stage to the back wall. And it was muddy. It looked very shallow. It wasn't very overwhelming. And I'm scratching my head, and it didn't make sense to to this moment. Because why was this going to be such a big deal? Why was this going to be so hard? And then our tour guide said, look up here. Because I, I said to him, I said, well, I don't understand. Why is the water so low? What? What's the deal? And then they showed me, it was way above that roof there. They showed me a mark. They had a building there, and it was a mark. It might have been 30 foot up in the air. And they said, this was the water level at the time when Joshua came to the Jordan River. It was about 30 foot. And it, it, was, it stretched out so wide. And so, okay, there it made more sense because the Bible said that it was at the time of the harvest and that the Jordan was overflowing its banks at the time. So wherever, this, the, wherever the banks of the Jordan was, it was well beyond that. And so it, it was very big, very wide. It was like rapids. It was rough water, and it looked like it was impossible to get over. And so they came there, and they sat there for three days. Now, keep in mind, Joshua just told them, we're going to cross over the Jordan, And in their mind, maybe they're thinking a boat's going to show up. Maybe they're thinking that they're going to have a bridge. Maybe they're thinking something special is going to take place. They had no idea because what you got to understand, that generation never experienced the Red Sea crossing. This generation was born in the wilderness. They never experienced Moses with the Red Sea. Please follow this. You see, every generation has to have its own experience with God. We can't, I cannot live off of the old experiences of the past generation. I thank God for the revivals of the Isuzu Street Revival and the outpourings of, in Toronto and all these other things that has taken place many years ago and the generational revivals that took place even among our families 30 years ago. But I want to see the outpouring of today. This generation here, I look at Hannah and Hazel, you're 18, right? Both of you, 18? I would hope so. You're twins, right? And so these, these two are 18 years old. They, ha- they don't know about the outpouring 30 years ago among our people. They don't know about the outpouring of, the, of the, I know about the outpouring of that, but this generation needs to see it. And so here is another generation that's, that is now coming of age, and they get to the Jordan River, and they're looking at it. And they're like, how are we going to do this for three days? Can you imagine what was going through their mind? Can you imagine maybe the doubt can you imagine the conversations that was happening in the tents of the please last night as I was as I was studying I'm I'm in bed I I keep talking to her and she she don't want me to keep talking to her cuz I'm like oh my god the revelation that God just kept pouring on me last night I's like oh I got to tell you this I got to tell you this I'm busting with this and I said forget it you'll just hear it in the morning and she she did hear a couple things but she didn't want to hear it all and so because she was reading, she was studying, it, it, it was, was it because she didn't care. But, like, I always disturb her when she's in the secret place like that, and so I always mess her up. And so, um, but, like, last night I was thinking about this, and um, here they needed to experience God for themselves. Now watch this. So they're looking at this, and they're, and they're thinking, how is this going to happen? They watched this for three days, and they wondered to themselves, how is this going to happen? And so, let's keep going. They lodged there for three days, and the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant. Everyone say, when you see the Ark of the Covenant. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priest's Levi's bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know by the way you must go. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, when you see the priest carrying it. Now let me explain to you what the Ark of the Covenant is in case if you don't quite understand what it is. The Ark of the Covenant was a wooden box and it was overlaid with pure gold. And on top of this pure gold box was two angels you got it please keep this in mind please make a note of this and keep this in mind don't lose track of this there was two angels that was sitting on top of the ark of the covenant and they were both facing each other they were called cherubim which is called angels these two angels they were pretty much one piece because their angels their wings were touching each other if you're going through exodus if you're going through the book the bible in a year you just read this just a few days ago actually probably about two weeks ago, where how the, the angels were touching each other and how they formed one piece. And in the middle of that, there was, it was something that was called, does anybody know what that was called? The mercy seat. The mercy seat was the place where God would come, where the glory of God would shine. This was the blue flame. There was a flame that would come down uh, on this place here. It was called the mercy seat. It was a place where God met with man. Inside of the Ark of the Covenant was Moses' Ten, not Moses' Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments that Moses got when he was on top of Mount Sinai. And so they was in there. The, um, there was going to be some other items. That was, there was some manna that was left in there from, uh, from the wilderness. Aaron's, uh, Aaron's uh, rod was in there as well. So this was a visible, this was a visible, pre- uh, a visible picture of God's presence among the people. And the only ones that was allowed to carry it was the priests. There were four priests, and there were, there was these poles that would go through. If you can, the ark ark actually also means coffin. If you can imagine a coffin, and so the, and, and they were like the pallbearers, but they would carry it upon their shoulders. They would carry the ark of the covenant, and so God said this to him. He said, "Get out of your get out of your place and go after it. When you see." The priest carrying the ark. The first thing I want to say is that when we see God, we got to go after God. When we see God begin to move, you got to go after it. And that's what, one of the first things that Joshua was trying to tell them. Listen, we're going somewhere we've never gone before. We've got to keep our eyes upon the Lord. This moment right here, this was no time for compromise. This was no time for them to be comfortable. You know, when we follow God, it gets you out of your comfort zone. When you follow God, maybe everybody else won't follow. But we've got to keep our focus on the Lord. Don't let, I want to say this on a side note, don't let no friends, don't let no family or anybody or anything ever influence you to the point it makes you compromise. To the point to where it makes, you miss you, makes, you, makes us miss the glory of God. Make a stand for God and go after it. There's something that, that I've always uh, pushed and 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 prompted all of our families here to do is to go after God. Look at somebody say, "Go after God." That's one thing that I always want to always want to be remembered for. If you ever say anything uh, at my funeral uh, when I die at 148 years old, tell tell everybody say, "Hey, Pastor Aaron wanted everybody to go after God." Look at somebody say, "Go after God." You guys okay? Everybody up in here? Come on, let's keep going. But there shall be a space between you and it. There shall be a space. Now, the, it said it was about 2,000 cubits. Now, if I would go ahead and put that in today's terms, that was about 1,000 yards or about what? Maybe about 100 football fields, right? Was that a, is that 10,000? Is that 1,000 yards or is, it or is it 10? 10 football fields. That was about 10 football fields long. He said there should be a, a space between you and it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you, not, you have not passed this way before. Please listen to this. He says, you got to keep your eyes upon the Lord because you have not gone this way before. This is an entirely new thing. This is an entirely new season. You've got to follow the Lord. When following God into a new territory, we better keep close eye on Him and stay close enough to see Him. Don't get too close because you just might miss a turn don't get ahead of God don't get too far behind because you'll lose sight of him we've got to stay on God's speed don't get ahead of God look at somebody say don't get ahead of God we can't get ahead of God don't get ahead of God when God when God begins to lead you let him lead you don't tell him which way you go you know what happens so so often we go ahead and we make our own plans and then we ask God to bless our plans Or we make our own plans and then our own plans come to nothing. We get mad and we ask God to rescue us. And God said, that was never my idea to begin with. That was your thoughts. That was your idea. Don't make up a plan. Ask me later to help fix it. But now we must follow the Lord. Don't let pride make us miss God when he moves. Don't let unbelief stop us from missing God when he moves. Don't let a religious mindset stop us from... Missing God when he moves. God, sometimes he moves in different ways. Again, this right here was a new season. This was something entirely different. They weren't used to this. They, yes, they saw the Ark of the Covenant move all throughout the wilderness, but they, were never, they never seen nothing like this. And sometimes when God some, does something new, it, he, he'll, he'll mess up our mind. I'm using a, I'm using a, a notepad here this morning. I'm sorry. This is, I, I don't normally use a notepad, but I, was just, uh, I didn't transfer it yet onto a uh, computer. All right, now watch this. Please listen, keep keep tuned in. For you have not passed this way before. Look at verse five. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself. That's a big word that we use in the church a lot. Not a lot of times we don't understand this. But he says, sanctify yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Listen to this, write this down if you're writing down notes. What I do today will determine my tomorrow. What I do today in the name of the Lord will determine my tomorrow. He says, sanctify yourself. You know what sanctification is? It is removing the physical to make room for the spiritual. Is by setting myself apart. This is not a holier than thou moment. This is not like I'm better than you moment. This is I gotta get the garbage out of my life. I gotta get I gotta let aside some things. I gotta I can't walk with you no more. I can't go into places that you go in. I I can't I need to hear from God. I'm desperate for the Lord and I need to hear God. And that's what God was saying here to Joshua, he's like, listen, we're about to go into a new place. We're about to follow God. Listen, you need to get rid of some things out of your life. Maybe there's some friends. Let's just make this real. There's some, there might be some cousins right now that you might have to disconnect from. There might be some people that even have your last name that you just can't be yoked with. The Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with those kind of people that will drift you away and pull you away from the Lord. And try to justify their sin and try to justify their lifestyle and say, God will forgive me in the morning. Listen, anytime, time, any time that we try to live on that edge and on that line, you know, like I've got, I've got, I've, I've gotten to conversations before where people try to ask me, you know, what can I, what all can I do and still make it to heaven? I literally just had this conversation just not too long ago. I get this phone call and they're like, what can I do, you know? How can, I, how can I still make it into heaven? Where's where the line? Where's the line? You know what happens when we say, where's the line? It's like, how much sin can I get away with and still make it into God's heaven? You know what the problem with that theory is? People will live like an animal all their life and never go after God. They, they say, well, I can, I, I, let's just get this close to it. Let's just compromise as much as I can. And instead... My response would be something like this. Why don't you just make up your mind to go after God? Just make up in your mind to go after God, then the debate stops, the, the line disappears, and just make a choice just to go after Him. Make God your first priority. Go after the Lord. Stop blending in. Stop compromising. But learn how to go after God. I told you at the very beginning, this message today is a generational message. This is a message today to... For, for not only for us to serve the Lord, but our children and our children's children to serve the Lord. We've got to get rid of the natural to make room for the spiritual. This is a spiritual matter, and so if it's a spiritual matter, then we got to we got to use we got to use spiritual weapons. We can't go into this thing in a carnal way, in a fleshly way. Sanctify means to be set apart, to stop blending in. How about? Fasting you know a lot of us we start off this year on a fast the fast we ended the fast corporately But that doesn't mean we don't ever fast again I want to encourage you Have fasting in your day in your weekly or your monthly lifestyle with God Because fasting it removes the natural to make room for the spiritual again. This is a spiritual matter sanctify yourself We belong to the Lord so now watch this. The Lord will do wonders among you. If, if we make the sacrifice today, if we make the sacrifice today, it will prepare us for our tomorrow. Sanctify yourselves because God is going to do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priest saying this, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Stand in it. Imagine this for a moment. You see, remember when Moses... Delivered the people out of Egypt he came to the Red Sea this is the Red Sea and he stood up on top of a mountain and what did he do he took his staff and he raised it over top of the Red Sea and then what what happened the Red Sea opened on the left side and the right side and the people crossed over on dry land you see this was a different moment this was a time of testing of faith now they there was four men And this is what's amazing. There are almost 3 million people, but there are four men that God had to require to have some great faith. Listen to this for a minute. These four men are unnamed. All we know that they are four priests. And they took the Ark of the Covenant, and they're walking down, down, and they're leaving Joshua. They're leaving the rest behind, and they're approaching the edge of the Jordan River, and the Jordan River is overflowing. Can you imagine what's going through their mind? Maybe they're thinking, what's going to happen? Maybe they're thinking, maybe the water's going to split open like it did for Moses when when they got close enough and they just walked through on dry ground. But you see, that would have taken no faith. But they're walking down. And as soon as they stepped into the water, they had to walk in it. It didn't split open before it. You see, a lot of us in the room, sometimes we'd like to have the water split open before we have faith to walk through it. A lot of times God wants us to step in it before the waters begin to open, because until then, our faith is never revealed. And so they had to walk into the water. And as soon as they walked into the water, I would like to tell you that immediately the water split open. I would love to tell you that in a moment, but how many know that in a moment, a moment can can feel like a lifetime? when you're standing in something like that. A split second can feel like months when you're waiting on God. Has anybody been waiting on God? Come on, raise your hand if you've been waiting on God. And so here they go. They stand in the water, and they're waiting for something to happen. And they stepped into it. Sometimes things won't happen until you step into it. Sometimes just the water won't open until we step in it. And so they had to make a decision, am I going to trust God? They had to make a decision, are they going to trust their leader? Because did they hear their leader right? Did they hear Joshua? They believed that Joshua heard from God. And so by faith, they went ahead and they followed that. Are you still with me? So now watch this. As soon as that happened, they were bearing the Ark of the Covenant. They were bearing the Ark of the Covenant. They walk into the water, and the Bible said all of a sudden, the water begins to split open. For almost 20 miles, it splits open. And now they're standing on dry ground. Watch this. Watch the parallel for a minute. In the same way, the Ark of the Covenant came into the Jordan River. Fast forward all the way to John, that when Jesus came to the Jordan River, to the very same spot that was split open for 20 miles wide. Now Jesus, the walking, living Ark of the Covenant. Do you see this? And why is he the Ark of the Covenant? Let's go forward about three and a half years later. After he dies, he resurrects. And in the empty tomb, when they came into the empty tomb, what did they see? There they saw where Jesus was laying. And tell me what was there. Two angels. And one was at the foot. Are you seeing this? And one was at the head. And they were both touching each other. What is that telling me? That Jesus is the mercy seat. Jesus is the Ark of the Covenant. And so watch how this connects here. My God, this is what I'm telling you. I was jumping up and down to bed last night when when God was showing this to me. And so in the same way, in the same way how the Ark of the Covenant went down into the water is the same way that even years later, thousands of years later, they didn't realize that that same Ark, Jesus, God in the flesh, came down into that same Jordan River at the very same exact spot. That was was a prophecy of what was going to take place years even before that. They had no idea that was going to take place. And you know when I found that out? I didn't find that in the Bible. I found that out when I went to Israel. Because when I went to Israel, they're telling me that this is the same spot that the Jordan River went through, and this is the same spot that Jesus was water baptized. And my mind was blown. I said, oh my God, I cannot believe where I'm at right now. The same exact spot. Where Jesus came and was water baptized, the Ark of the Covenant, the same exact thing. Now watch this. Here they are. They're standing firm. They're standing firm. I, I need to close, so if you can help me. Thank you. Is this, are you getting this so far? Is this good teaching? I hope this is helping you this morning. Now watch this. Let's go to verse 17. I'm just going to end with this, the last verse. Verse seventeen, and this is my main text right here that I want to get to. It took me an hour to get to here. Okay, now we'll listen to this. This is so good. Look at somebody. Say, this is going to be good. Are you ready? As they were standing, <laughs> said, "Yeah." As they were standing there with the ark of the covenant, they were standing. As the, let's read it. Let's look at verse seventeen. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Everyone. Here's the point. It took four men to believe God. It took four men to stand firm on dry ground to make the way for millions. You know what prepares the way for revival for the next generation? Is when this generation makes a stand to stand firm, that I will be stable, that I will not be up and down with my emotions, I will not be up and down with my walk with God. I am who God says I am. I will be who God says I will be. I will stand firm in my faith. I will stand firm in what I believe for my God. I will stand firm in prayer. I will stay in the Word. I will serve. No matter what mountain I'm facing, no matter what storm is coming, I will stand firm. I will be steadfast. I will be immovable. I will always abound in the work of the Lord because I know that my labor for God is not in vain. I will stand firm. Somebody shout, I will stand firm. That makes a way for the next generation to come through when you stand firm. You could be what it takes for your family to walk through and serve the Lord. You mom, you dad, you son, you daughter. You might be a child in here. Your children may not be serving the Lord, but if you make a stand. It'll, it'll make a way for the next generation. It'll make a way for your sons and daughters and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles, your brothers. Your, you, some of you in here, you have brothers and sisters that may not be serving the Lord or parents or family members. But if you make a decision to say, I'm going to stand firm. Come what may, I'm going to stand firm. I don't care what happens. I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house We will serve the Lord. I will stand firm in what I believe. I will not go up and down and wishy-washy in my faith. I will stand on the scriptures. I won't be double-minded, tossed to and fro by every wind and wave of the sea. I will stay locked into the promises of God because His promises are yes and amen. My God hasn't failed me. He will never lie to me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He was the only one that was ever risen from the dead. My God that sits at the right hand of the Father, that makes intercession for you and me today, is the same God. He's a God that still heals. I'm in debt to the Lord because of what He has done in my life. How can I turn on my God right now? He has saved me. He has saved my children. There were moments in my life where I, I where He should have given up on me, where I refused to say no to, to myself and say yes to Him. He's my God. He's never forsaken me. He is faithful. He's too good to turn our backs on him now. Stand for God. Stand firm. Don't be so wishy washy that our own children don't even know what we believe, that the people around us don't even know who we are in God. You want to see generational faith? You want to see a generation now walk in revival? How is revival sustained from generation to generation? Because the next generation will serve the Lord. Now watch this. Man, there's so much here. God help me. Watch this. God told Joshua to tell 12 other men, one leader from each tribe. Now listen to this. He said, when you pass through the Jordan, I don't want you to walk through empty-handed, but I want you to find 12 stones. One man, find one stone. One man, find one stone. And 12 men grabbed a stone apiece. They had 12 stones, and they walked through on the other side, and they piled them up there. So that way, the next generation, he said, when you walk by this Jordan River again, when you walk by this place, your children's gonna ask you, your boy, your daughter, your son, Daddy, what are these stones about? And they're gonna say, This was when we were on that side. And God did a miracle. He did something that looked impossible. He delivered us and brought us out of Egypt, brought us through 40 years of wandering through the wilderness. And I don't know how it happened. But I'll never forget it. These four men, they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They walked into the river, and it opened up. You should have seen it. It was amazing. Son, there were millions of us. I don't know. And we walked through. We walked through. You were in your mama's arms. You don't remember this moment, but you we carried you through it. I'm using my imagination. Could you... Can you hear this son talking to his daughter? Can you hear him talking to his son? I don't know how God did it, but we were on dry ground. And we were walking by and we saw the priest. And they were standing so firm. And they did it for you. And they did it for me. They did it for all of our cousins. They did it for all of our family. look where we're at today. And they set up these stones as a memorial. So they would never forget where God brought them from. There was two memorials. There was one there on the shore. So that way, when that next generation would see it, they would see the goodness of God. And there was another generation. There was another set of stones that Joshua put up in the middle of the Jordan. You know why? Why? Because when the drought would come, the Jordan River would go low. And then all of a sudden, those stones would be revealed because the water level was so low. And that was God's reminder that even in drought, I'm still with you. That even in dry times, I'm going to be with you. That's going to be a memorial there for ages to come. And as I was studying this I heard the Lord bring back to my remembrance. And I didn't know where it was at. I had to look into it. I had to find it. But the Lord said that we are living stones. In 1 Peter 2.4, watch this. We may not have a pile of stones that we can share and show my children. But you know who the stones are? Us. We are that living stone. We are the stone now that when people see us, they see Christ. They see the chief cornerstone, Jesus, the one that the builders rejected. They see him, the rock of ages. That's how revival continues on. That's how generations will continue to serve the Lord. When they see the message of God inside of you, when they see the message of God inside of me, when they see us as living stones, They might not see a memorial, but they'll see you. That's God's dream for our families to serve the Lord beyond this generation. Because one of the most saddest points of this story is when Joshua was now about to die. He's 110 years old. He brings all the people together. And he says this. If God is God, serve him. But if Baal is God, then serve him. But make a decision. All throughout the Bible, that's all they said. He said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24, 15. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But something happened. They said that after Joshua died, that whole generation died, another generation rose up. That did not remember the Lord. And they fell away from the Lord. They fell away from the Lord. And they did evil on the sight of God. And they served other gods. And they ran from God. Maybe they lost sight of the stones. I remember when I was there, somebody played, somebody played. I'm telling you, when I was there, I was like a I was like a child. I was I was just nuts when i went there and somebody said to me hey they found the 12 stones and i was like where i wanted to go see it they were just joking with me that would have been amazing and i was thinking to myself where are the 12 stones where are they nobody knows there's no sight there in the holy land to see the 12 stones have they have they were they gone are they gone now have did, are, are they have they forgotten is that what happened? I began to think. I get you, sometimes you got you have to use your imagination when you're studying the Word. And so I'm thinking to myself: Did they forget the Lord? Did they stop telling of the goodness of God to their children and their children's children? This morning, as I was getting ready for church, I got some worship music on, and this one song was done over for a while and all of a sudden I hear Elijah something's got to break something's got he's singing. something's got to break all this out of nowhere yesterday I hear him in the car he's singing uh, holy forever yesterday in the car he's singing these songs what what is it going to take for our children and our grandchildren to serve the Lord is by you and I being living stones in front of them yes we are going to blow it Yes, we are going to say the wrong things sometimes. Yes, we're going to have moments, weak moments. Yes, we are. I'm not saying that we are going to live absolutely perfect before them. But if we live a lifestyle that reflects the love of God, if we live a lifestyle that where we want to glorify God in everything that we'll do, I guarantee you that we will train up these next children in the way that we'll go, in the way that they he or she should go, and when they're old they won't depart. I'm not saying they won't drift Because my children, they have drifted. They have gone off track before. But I thank God today, I was looking back and I took a picture. I had to take a picture of all my children up here serving the Lord. I had to take a picture of that moment. I said, God, thank you. That all my children, all my, and my grandchildren, my, my kids, they're all serving the Lord. They're all going after you. They're serving in ministry and they're doing the work of the Lord. You want to see generational growth? You want to see generations? You want to see these children and their children serve the Lord? We are living stones. If you're here today, you, see, you, know, you know what, Pastor? I want to be that living stone. That when my kids see me, they see you. That when other people see me, they see you. God is asking you to stand firm. To stand firm. Be steadfast and movable. Stand firm. Don't be all in your emotions. Don't give up every time, every time there's a storm. Don't give up every time that we get hard pressed. Don't give up. Because when your children see you not give up, you're telling them that they can't, That giving up is not an option. When, you, you, when our children see us come to church and when it's not easy and, and, and it's out of our comfort zone, we're telling them, you got to go to church. We opened the door today. Elijah and said, Pop, it's raining. I said, yeah, we're still going to church. He said, yeah, we go to church in the rain. I said, you're right. He said, I made a whole video about that before. It's possible. You can go through church in the rain. So we're telling our kids that we can go to church in the rain. We can go to church when family's over. We can go to, we, that, that the house of God is important. I believe today, God has given us, this is meat, to say, you know what, we we need to continue on. We need to grow. This can't stop at me. This has to continue on. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking as many as could, just come to the altar and ask God to say, God, you know what, I'm going to stand firm. Come on, would you make this commitment to stand firm? I'm going to stand firm. I may shake, I might wobble, but God, I refuse to give up. I refuse to give up in my faith. I refuse to give up on my God. Can we just make this commitment right now to say, you know what? I'm going to stand firm. I'm not asking to be perfect, but I'm saying, God, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm in the name of Jesus.